Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So anyway, when I'm playing Horizon Forbidden West, uh, the first thing I noticed, oh, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. No, that's a joke that Matt does because Matt's real funny, especially when he hasn't slept in a couple of days. I am Matt. So I don't know why I'm talking about myself in the third person. This is the Blizzard Watch podcast. I We probably could do a little talking about Horizon Forbidden West. We are trying no, to branch we could. out. We could. Um, we could. We're all, all three of us are playing it. Yeah. Uh, I will actually say that one of the things that happened to me is because I've been playing it, I have been mm-hmm. trying to, I decided to go and play Horizon Zero Dawn again, yeah. just to get a, just me, I'm like, oh, I'll play this because I don't want to like go too fast and ruin the Forbidden West. Plus, you know, we, we, we've been talking about stuff from Zero Dawn, so I should re-familiarize myself. And you'd think I could pick it right back up because Forbidden West is not that different, but all the stuff that Forbidden West does that, Z- that Horizon Zero Dawn doesn't do, you will mess. continue so fast. Yeah. Yep. You will be like, what is happening? Why can't I? Oh, right. Because that's not here. We don't have one of those. Um, the polecaster by itself. I spent like 20 minutes trying to polecast things. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that happened. I'll just let's just move right into it. Joe and Liz are here. What, what are you all been doing? We'll, we'll start with Liz. Anything interesting that you want to talk about? Uh, I have been playing a little Horizon Forbidden West. Um, not a whole lot of it, though. I haven't gotten very far uh, just because life life is a thing that exists yeah for some reason i'm at the i'm i haven't gone into the actual west yet i'm at the place where you you get the embassy to start happening Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's where i am so Uh, i don't know how far you are i'm literally at that exact same point really just at the embassy point Mm -hmm. i just i just finished that event and started moving just past it but that's i haven't had a whole lot of time to play so uh, yeah, finding finding the hours in the day. So I'm ahead of both of you, um, but not by a whole, well, kind of by a whole lot, depending on how you look at it. Um, I'm kind of at the end of what would be the next section of play, I suppose you call okay. it. Yeah, I'm just at the, uh, I, I've been spending, like, when I play, I just, I don't leave a place until I've exhausted it. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. my problem, too. Like, I, I get distracted by side quests. Well, like, there was a side quest in... Uh, broken light that takes you to find out that the i don't know does this be a spoiler it's a minor spoiler minor spoilers for horizon forbidden west uh there's a quest that takes you to go find out that the eclipse are in the area Mm -hmm. and you're like what i didn't didn't i handle this already and it's actually pretty funny because aloy does have that attitude the whole time she's like what I, i thought this was over uh, it's, I, I, I do like how Aloy gets frustrated with these things, but yeah, that's, um, that's the big thing. I just, I had actually done a playthrough where I would like, I'd gone ahead into the forbidden West and, yeah. did, and then I was like, I can't, can, I can't, there's a quest back there. I left, <laughs> I had to restart from an earlier save to go get those quests. Cause I just can't leave an area with quests undone. Um, it was mass effect too. I believe that made me super neurotic about finishing every side quest before advancing the main story. So now I am just 
I'm real neurotic about side quests, even though I, I'm pretty, Horizon is actually very flexible and lets you, really lets you do side quests whenever you want. It's there, it's rare that they're locked out in any way. Okay. I'm just waiting for Joe to talk. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I was waiting to see what other, anybody else was going to say, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I've, uh, overall, I, I, the one thing I did want to say about uh, Forbidden West though, so far is I got to say, I really like the whole tutorial area of it, honestly because they did something with this that a lot of games don't do is just kind of let you play in a mini sandbox to get your bearings before throwing you at the actual game. And for somebody like me who I didn't get a chance to go back and play horizon zero dawn, um, because I literally don't have my PS4 hooked up anymore and I can't transfer my game over to PS five because Sony, um, to like get my bearings again and it felt good. Like going through it actually felt nice. And I wish more games did that, especially when they were our sequels or have a long length of time between like, uh, entries in their, their sort of catalog. So kind of got you back up to speed and then started introducing new things to you throughout that. So you can kind of get comfortable before you get into the flow of the game. So uh, on the other side, I played a little Elden ring, and uh, its tutorial is here's how you die. Like, <laughs> like that's it. Um, and it's a completely different game than any other from software game. So you kind of have, which is sort of a from software thing. Just figure out what's going on. But comparing that while playing horizon forbidden West at the same time, like, I just want to like, I just want to marry horizon forbidden West for taking care of me. Cause like, it's just been nice to me comparatively. <laughs> I actually, I will say this and I, I don't want like if, if people know the answer to this, I don't want to hear it. This is just me ruminating based on what I've seen uh, in forbidden West. I have done no reading on this. I've not looked this up. So this is not a spoiler because I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. But 10 to one far horizon didn't blow up and they're behind the thing that happens. Uh, yeah. Okay. There. I said it. I, I, I do know some things about the, the future plot of the game based on that, but I didn't know that for sure. And I'm just, I'm calling it. It's, it's far horizon. All right. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I can see what would lead you that way. Yeah. That's where I'm going with this. Uh, but as much as I would love to keep talking about forbidden West for the rest of the show, we do have other things to talk about. For instance, maybe um, one or two things happened yeah. this week. The sanctum of the first ones is from uh, patch 9.2 for uh, Shadowlands, the uh, World of Sepulchre. Warcraft expansion. I'm never going to figure out how to pronounce this or spell it. Yeah, um, but th- that's open today. Yes. As we're recording this, it's March 1st. It's open today. Um, I have not been in there because I don't raid right now, you know, between the whole blindness thing and the whole taking time away from WoW for a long time. So my guild has moved on and I don't feel like them trying to carry me through this would be productive. Uh, But I I am interested in hitting it once LFR comes out. Liz and I will be diving in there tomorrow, actually. Um, Yeah, we'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) It's well named. We'll see what happens. At any rate, you won't be able to, to to clear the place out even if you suddenly go on a boss-killing mega street because only the first eight bosses are open up to Anduin, and the last three bosses are not available till next week. Which um, I, it's weird. It's an interesting, staggering choice that I have, they haven't done that often before. I can't recall them ever actually doing that with a normal-slash-heroic-mode raid. So, like, since the end of, of Missa Pandaria, be, during world, the way Warlords of Draenor handled raiding, which has been those, the, the norm since... I don't think they've ever just released half a raid and then released the other half on normal slash heroic. I, if you guys can think of anything like you, by all no. means, say I can't think of another one they've done that with. No. So, I mean, I, I get why they're doing it thematically. Cause I, cause you know, Anduin's a good fate, break point. Yeah. The fate of Anduin uh, and all that. But what do you guys think? Uh, Liz, what do you think? I mean, I just think it, I personally think it's a narrative just because not just that Anduin's a good breakpoint in the raid. Anduin is where the story's going to flip. Like, mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. until this point, we're going in to rescue Anduin. But after we've rescued Anduin, kind of the narrative is sort of going to change. We're going after the Jailer, hopefully with Anduin maybe helping us out. So there's a, it's a narrative beat. And you have to, to get the narrative across, you have to have a little pause there. And I don't know if that's the best way to do a raid, but I understand... It it makes sense narratively. I don't know if it makes sense 
gameplay wise. I don't know if it's fun gameplay wise. I'm not in a group that's going to clear to Anduin tomorrow, so uh, it doesn't actually affect me. So I can't really say is this bad for gameplay? Is this good for gameplay? But I think it, it makes sense to me. I also wonder if it's also aimed at slowing down the uh, the world first to mythic race. Yeah, I just don't they think won't, it. They won't get to see the fight before they see the fight. I- yeah, I mean, they will get to see the fight because next week it'll be open on normal heroic and they're yeah, just going to see it then. I have a, so. yeah, I have a theory. My, I, I think this might be a test. And I think this might be a test of, of pacing for raid content and if this is something hmm. that would go over. Because we talked about this last year in particular. Liz and I were very vocal in our complaint about this, by the way. Um, and anybody who watched us on the... Uh, our, our guild streams like the last raid just felt like a slog sanctum of domination felt long and it wasn't like it had like a million bosses it had a lot and it was a big raid but it just always felt so long especially when you got to sylvanas and this is one of those things where like maybe instead of releasing something with 14 bosses all at once they see how it goes where they, they could break it up a little bit smaller so that they can extend sort of the release for it and give players time to sort of not feel pressured to go through all like 18 bosses at a time. And it seems like this might be an experiment to see how the community sort of uh, kind of takes to it. Cause it, while story-wise it makes sense mechanically, it doesn't really make sense not to just release everything even if you're just trying to slow things down for the race to world first, because even then when it does release, everything's getting released when the mythic goes up. So you're not really slowing anything down. So, okay. I think this might just be to see how players react to chunks of raids being released in more like a prolonged sort of drop. Also, I wonder if they're basically taking a page from the way LFR. Uh huh. Yeah. And maybe Mm -hmm. other, and other MMOs as well. Because other this is this is not uncommon for other MMOs that are out there, especially the free to play model ones that exist, where they release a raid or some content like that, where you might get a wing and then in another two weeks another wing opens up, and then another two weeks another wing opens up, but it's all part of the same raid tier content. So I'm wondering if there's something with that. But um, and as Padilla and chat points out, they didn't really even test the last three bosses, not on PTR at least. So I don't know. But that that's my that's my theory. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. I have no idea. It's it's them not testing the the last three bosses on PTR is why I think it might be related to slowing down world first. Because if if you don't put it on the PTR and you don't let people see it the week before Mythic opens, you're basically making it so sure they'll get to see it on the day of Mythic opens. But they're gonna try to go in Mythic that day. That's how World First Guild oh, yeah. go. No, they but will. They don't. Yeah. So. But- by doing it this way, it, it makes me think that, but I mean, Liz is right in that it won't be that big a deal because they are going to see it. They're going to run it in a normal and heroic. They're probably going to just do heroic splits. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll do heroic splits the first thing, and then they'll get geared up and then they'll go into mythic. Cause keep in mind, the reason that world first guilds are considered to be pushing it cutting edge is that they don't gear up first. Like not like we do. They don't run it over and over again until they're all in relatively suitable gear. They will get the best gear they possibly can with the with the least amount of time and go in. Plus, they'll have their better gear from the previous tier. They'll have their gear will be about as good as the gear for like heroic because they'll have mythic gear from the previous tier rating. It, it's a toss up on this one. Uh, all right, the next thing. This was one I actually forgot and. And I really feel bad that I forgot about it. But last week we got a Diablo Immortal sort of, here's all the <laughs> stuff we're changing dump where they literally just threw a ton of stuff at us. Um, one of the things they talked about was the, the way they're going to change how Paragon works. They're going to have like a world Paragon level. And the way that level works is it'll start off at like at one, the, the first week on every server, it'll be like at one. And if you if you make it to level seventy, I think it's seventy or is it sixty? Do you guys remember? I think I, it's going to be sixty on yeah, launch. But I, I think so. Yeah. 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 You get to level sixty in Diablo Immortal, and then they start earning Paragon. If you're below the World Paragon level, you will re, you will gain Paragon XP at two hundred percent. If you are at the World Paragon level, you will gain it at one hundred percent. If you're like five above it, you will gain it at twenty five percent. 
And this is to basically slow it down so people do not just spend all their time grinding Paragon experience and making it impossible for two people to play together if they haven't had the same amount of time. It's essentially just to, to slow down the thing. This goes all the way back because this is Diablo Immortals an MMO. Like they're admitting it. They're just right out saying it now. Diablo Immortals an MMO. We all remember that Penny Arcade strip from like forever ago about World of Warcraft. It's like I thought you were going to play the same time I did. How come you're riding a giant cat and there are stars falling around you? Well, it would be difficult to express my level with mere numbers because I'm partially fused with infinity. It's like that. It, you you can always end up with like the one person who's playing with another person, but who then goes and plays more at like night or on weekends or what have you and ends up way out leveling. And they're trying to avoid that by putting this mechanic in. I don't know how it's going to play out. And I'm really curious what you guys think about this idea. Uh, Liz, I know you talked to, to me about it, but the great thing about a podcast is you can now talk to all these people <laughs> about it. So. Um, I mean, I think it's very interesting because this is very much a system from Diablo 3, the Paragon system, which kind of lets you level infinitely. There's no limit to Paragon levels. There is a limit to how many things you can actually buy with your points, but there's no limit to the levels. It's an infinite leveling system. And if you have an MMO with an infinite leveling system, you're going to get this huge, huge power imbalance. Like in WoW, we have a fixed level cap and you can earn power by getting gear. But I mean, there's a limit to how much power you can get with gear. And, you know, they're going to release a new raid. They're going to release a new this, a new that, where you can earn more power, catch up on power. But uh, Diablo Immortal is an MMO, and it has an infinite leveling system with this Paragon system. So it does feel like they had to do something to kind of keep players in a similar area uh, power-wise. So it makes it easier to find groups because there's a lot of group content going on. There's raid content. And uh, so, yeah, I think this is really interesting, but I think we really have to see it live to see how it's going to work. And whether yeah. it's going to go exactly as they think and kind of keep players kind of grouped up in sort of Paragon power. Oh, I'll be upfront. It's not going to go how they think. <laughs> <clears throat> I do not think because, and this is not a dig on them. It never goes the way we think. Yeah, that's fair. I'm always reminded of, of not transmog, although I always want to say transmog. Remember reforging? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Reforging. The system that was going to allow people who got drops that weren't quite ideal for them to make them slightly better because they could adjust away some of that defense on those pla those uh, t those tank pants, and now they could be your DPS pants. This is not how reforging was used at all by anyone, ever. I mean, maybe once or twice, but nine times out of ten, what reforging was used to do was, well, I like crit above all else, but... The gear I'm getting has has mastery on it for some reason. So I will go to the reforger and I will forge as much of that mastery as I can off to crit. And luckily there's a website I can go to where I it will tell me. Or, or add-ons. Add-ons yeah, and add-ons. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I remember that add-on. Um, the one that you could basically just go to the to the reforger and put in all your gear and it, tell it I, I want crit. Yeah. And it would do every it would play, what do we call it? Tetris or Jenga? <laughs> I think it was it was stat Tetris. Stat Tetris. Just, yep. Yeah, it would literally just arrange everything so you had the most crit you possibly could. Um, and I, it's well, like they didn't expect that, but that's exactly how players used it. I am a hundred percent confident that they that there will be some weird use for this that they that will not go the way they foresee it to go because that's just how systems work in games. I mean, that's that's an accurate statement. <laughs> The, the thing about reforging back then is that you had caps on certain things and you had numbers you were trying to, you would try to hit that number, but not go over that number. Mm -hmm. So it became this like complicated math problem. Okay. I got a gear upgrade, but it's going to push me over this cap and it's going to give me too much of this. And I want more of that. And it's like, so it's like, if you're wanting to equip something and it's like, you have to hit this cap, but you don't want to go over this cap. It, it turns into a hugely complicated math problem. Yeah, it was, and, like, it was really like haste that was the real offender there. Yeah, I think so. Because other classes really, I, certain classes had like soft haste caps where others had hard haste caps. Um, I, do, I don't, as a warrior, haste didn't do anything for us back then. So it wasn't as big a problem for us. We just wanted crit. We just would like slap crit on everything. Crit, crit, crit. Okay, that's what we want. But yeah, there were classes where it was like, okay, I have to get my mastery to this point so I can get my 
my healing spell to this, but I don't want to go over because I need to go focus on haste. And yeah, it was, it wasn't just a math problem. It was like one of those math problems where you'd have somebody sitting there going, a train is leaving Orgrimmar at three <laughs> o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that, but with your stats. So yeah. Yeah. So I, but I think having those caps and those like hard numbers you were specifically trying to hit, but not go over played into the reforging system. Like reforging made it easier to hit the caps if you needed, if you like, if you were not getting there, you could reforge and hit those caps and get more damage, more healing, more whatever. But if you were over, you could reforge and get more of other stuff. And it was really great. But having, I, I'm not sure reforging would work quite the same way now as it did then. Like today, no, it would just be, yeah, today it would just be a push button. Okay, I want crit. Okay, I want haste, you know? But back then it was it was a math equation. It was really complicated and frankly plus, over my head. Plus we have a lot of more of the diminishing returns thing is baked into stats in a way now. Yeah. Yeah. That it wasn't then. It, if you start going crazy with a stat, you'll get less and less effect out of it. The more you if like if you had if you like jacked your crit rating up as high as you could possibly put it, you'd you'd be hurting yourself the way the game is now. So mm, unless unless you're me and find out that one of the stats that they told you was capped is broken. Oh, there's that. <laughs> the, 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 for reference, the, uh, the uh, shaman were supposed to have a hard cap when you were restoration on uh, mastery, and you weren't supposed to be able to get above 100% mastery, yet somehow uh, last year I still had like 170% mastery or something stupid like that because the stat was still <laughs> broken. The cap was not actually in effect. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of things being broken... Um- <laughs> <laughs> we should probably talk about the Diablo 2 resurrected 2.4 PTRs coming back um, tomorrow, I believe, as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, indeed. The second. They, they're testing ladder play. Yeah. Um, which is, if you don't know what ladder play is, ladder play is basically like seasons before seasons existed. It's Diablo 2's version of them. It's really not more complicated than that. It's, you know, you start at level one, you go until level 99, you play the ladder. It's just like playing the game over again. It is very similar to a season. It's not very different. It um, doesn't have, you know, it never had themes and things like that. It yeah. was really just kind of a race to get to the top of the of the ladder to yep. be the first one of this class or this, you know, to get to max level and all of those things. Yeah, to get to max level to start playing on higher difficulties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a few like unique rune words and stuff that will exist during the ladder, and then it'll move in. Those will move into normal play afterwards. Which but, is real interesting. Yeah, but that's basically, that's happening tomorrow. Um, I don't really have a lot else to say about that, either of you. I mean, I will say they'd, they'd, it seemed like they intended this to go out with launch because ladder play was always such a big part of Diablo 2. Um, but it didn't. And now we're months and months and months after launch still working on ladder play. We're at patch 2.4 and we still don't have ladder play. Um, so on one hand, I think it's I think it's really good that they're finally getting this in. They're doing a lot of testing. They made sure the game was good and stable and solid before going in and putting out ladder play. Uh, and it just feels overdue. It feels like, yeah, yeah, let's get this done. Let's get this out here. I think uh, that may be the, the big crash period problems mm-hmm. that were happening with Diablo 2 Resurrected were part of the reason that ladder play got delayed because they didn't realize that they had left in a system from the original Diablo that could not handle the volume of people who were trying to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that delayed it. And I also think that when that happened, they were like, oh, this means we really have to test this stuff. <laughs> like a lot. Because who knows when we'll find out there's some weird system still in there that will just freak out the second 10,000 people try and log in at once. So, but I agree with you that it's that it's something that should have happened. Uh, Joe? Uh, don't really have anything else to add to that one. All right, then we will move on to the last thing that we have here. This is another one that Liz pointed out. Um, the World WoW Classic Season of Mastery Phase 4 is... it. I think Your thing says the third. I thought it said the fourth when I looked it up before. Do you know which one it is? Uh, let me double check. No, it's the third. Okay, the third. So that's two days from now. Um, I believe it's Zul'Garub, but I don't yes. think... Is it anything else, or is it just Zul'Garub? Um, Zul'Garub and is this Dragons of Nightmare? Yes. Zul'Garub okay. and Dragons of Nightmare. So the four Dragons of Nightmare, I, I pity you already, <laughs> wild classic people. Especially if they do if they put any changes in on those guys, because they're already hard. Like there's that whole mushroom thing for one of the four, I think that's Lethon, 
Oh boy! It was bad. It, it was very easily griefable. Oh my god! We had one one Lethon kill where the the horde raid the horde guild that was our rival showed up and just died on purpose to spread mushrooms everywhere and make it impossible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man! I ended up having to kite that guy around that stupid forest song area, like you would not believe. It was Feralos. I remember we were fighting him in Feralos, and I had to just kite him around trying desperately to avoid all those mushrooms. And then finally the guild master was like, give it up. You're the only one left alive. And I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I'll stand here and die then. So yeah, that's, I feel bad for you guys for that. But Zulgarub was actually a fun, a fun raid. Um, I don't, I haven't heard anything about changes like they did to Blackwing Lair. If you guys. No, I haven't, which is interesting because it was such a big deal. How many changes they were making to Blackwing Lair. Yeah. Uh, and people still just blasted through Blackwing Lair, but I haven't heard anything. They took no. It took a whole forty-seven minutes. That's yeah. That's a good yeah. solid ten minutes longer than I was expecting. Uh, I I don't think I could walk through Blackwing Lair no, in no. retail WoW in that period of time. Especially if you were trying to walk through it with the suppression room still going. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Good luck on that. I but mean, that's twenty minutes right there, at least. I just I I don't know if you guys do. You guys remember Solgarub? Like, did you actually run it at the time? Oh yeah, yeah. Did did you? Like I was in a guild where one of the guild members accidentally discovered because we were running it like the day it opened. They mm-hmm. accidentally discovered that if you summoned your pet after it had been poisoned, that oh, it would still yes. have it would still have the disease and it would spread it. Uh, he didn't do it on purpose. Like he seriously just pulled his pet out in the auction house and boom, uh, the auctioneer had it. And once the auctioneer has it, you're in trouble because the auctioneer has a ridiculous amount of health. Like they- maybe we should give some context to this for people who did not play during that time. Sure, go for it. Uh, yeah, back in the day when Zulgrub came out, there the final boss, Har, the Blood Lord, did this um, plague thing where you would corrupted blood mm-hmm. that was just a dot, and it would keep going until you died, taking for huge amounts of damage. And uh, one thing you could do is, if you were a hunter with your pet out, the pet could get corrupted blood, but if you dismiss the pet during the fight, and then left the raid, called your pet back later, it would still have corrupted blood, and corrupted blood spread to anyone nearby. Mm-hmm. So if this... you go and you summon that pet in the auction house, and it has corrupted blood, and you know how people crowd up in the auction house, uh, you're going to get suddenly dozens of people with it, and they're going to run out of the auction house, they're going to spread it to more people, it's going to spread to NPCs who have tons of health and stay alive long enough to spread it more. Yeah, the uh, that was a wild time. I think auctioneers just straight up didn't die from it. No, they yeah, sure. maybe right. No, they did. They, did. they had they had okay. that they had to patch it so that they didn't at one point. <laughs> um that was actually I, what caused them to make them not killable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just remember the auctioneers would get it and they people would come in to sell things and just blurt and then everybody would be dead. And it was amazing. But I was gonna say also just say so like as uh other Liz is uh, Liz. The second is pointed out in chat. That was also, fu- it's funny to bring up again, because that's what was actually used as a, uh, modeling for CDC disease, uh, vector traveling, like a model for it, like that mm-hmm. event, people doing that. It was fantastic. Yeah. And it is, and if you're ever wondering if that's had any practical input, it absolutely affected how they modeled COVID spread. Yep. That's not even a joke. That's something that I saw multiple times on uh, NPR that's the corrupted blood plague was, in, was instrumental in them coming up with the model for COVID spread that they used, that they actually did work because they, they're like people in the game will do things that will spread the, the plague just for their own amusement or because they believe in they're entitled to do so. And they like, but people in life wouldn't do that. Nope. Turns out they will. Yeah. It's, it's, it is something that as humans will do. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, that's, Zulgarub is actually interesting for a lot of reasons. It's interesting because, I mean, if you're playing, playing WoW Classic already, you've probably already like noticed this, but Zulgarub has the original Tiger and original Raptor pet mounts. Yeah, Swift, the Swift Rizashi Raptor and the Swift Zulian Tiger. No, I've got the Swift Zulian Tiger. Uh, in fact, I got it the last week it was available. I have online. the Raptor. <sighs> yeah, I don't have the Raptor. I have the Tiger. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, that's going on this week. But I think at this point, we're going to... One thing I'll say... Go ahead. One thing I want to say is this feels really fast. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't... Not necessarily in terms of how fast they're clearing content, since some people are doing it 
in under an hour, but it's been less than a month since phase three rolled out and now we're getting phase four. So this is pretty, yeah. this is a speedy content run. Well, considering that they wanted this to last a year. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, what's left? Uh, um, AQ, the various yeah, AQ and Courage, and then and Max. Nextramas. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, they've already got all the world bosses with Dragons of Nightmare. There's nobody, no new world bosses after that. So are they just going to go straight up to Nax in like, like phase five can't be within another month. You can't do that again. Can you, can I they hit know. that in April? Yeah. I, 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 don't. I, I will note Matt that March was actually when you predicted this would come out. Well, you know, well that, that Matt was a guy who still had hope. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're all, we're all in the same place. We're I think I probably, same place here. I probably predicted March because I thought it was a short patch. Hmm. Like it's super yeah. up in the dragons of nightmare. You're going to want that out sooner rather than later. Cause people need to run the dragons of nightmare for the nature resist gear to go into AQ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if you want to get a pass who her on, uh, I tanked her on in cloth boots and a, <laughs> in a green shield, not green color, green quality shield, with nature resist on it. Because that's that was the most important staff for that fight. Yep, um, I remember that. I remember yeah. all that resistance so, farming. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I think that that's a good reason to get the dragons out sooner rather than later. Is Zulgarab going live the same time that the that phase does, or are they going to stagger it a little? Oh, that's a good point. I'm not sure because they did that with BWL. Mm, well, we'll find out. I don't think it actually says. Yeah, I don't. I I can't tell by looking at this announcement. That's why I asked. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, through it. it. The only the, the phase starts. Yeah, so I think I think it might be when the phase releases. Mm-hmm. Hey, for now, that's all we we don't know. So we have to assume because that's all we have is what they've released. Um, we'll find out in two days. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think at this point we're going to move on to do some questions. Uh, we actually got a fair amount of of questions from email this week, so I want to say thank you to the people who emailed. Uh, we also, of course, also used our our uh, Discord server for questions as well. Uh, if you've got a question for the show, please email it to podcast at, at blizzard podcast at questions podcast at blizzard blizzardwatch dot com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch, so we know it's for the show. You can do that thing where you send us questions for multiple shows in one email, and two of you did, and you were very nice, and you broke out which ones were for the show. And I really want to encourage that. If you feel like you want to email in questions for all three shows, yeah, feel free absolutely. to do so. Please. But, but, but just do, do the thing where you tell me what show it's for. That's really helpful. Um, and so if you, if you want to ask us in discord, however, because you don't want to send an email because I don't know, do, do, do the, the kids today not like email? I'm old <laughs> and I don't know, but if you want to use discord, go ahead. Uh, we've got the patron Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, for patrons and and we look there first because you guys pay the bills and we like being able to continue doing all these podcasts so that's the perk you get for giving us money thank you we appreciate it but if you can't give us money we also have the brandly renamed q and podcast questions channel uh which was renamed by liz because liz realized why don't we call it that since that's what we're using it for Mm, yeah Yeah. the the thing that that was the whole thought process joe and i have been doing this for like a year and a half or so now <laughs> and it didn't occur to either one of us that we should change the name of that channel. No, I we not. Mm, I asked, I asked okay. once and then I just forgot to follow up on it, yeah. <laughs> but so, I did ask previously. Liz did. In fact, was the one who did change the name. So you can use that channel as well. Uh, we do look in there as well. Uh, I usually do something fun here. So this time what I'm going to do is I've got a D 20 here. <laughs> I'm just going to roll and, then I'm going to pick a person based on something about them that I'm using as a saving throw. So <laughs> Liz, Joe lost Joe. You're up. Okay. <laughs> this one comes from six K whose questions are always a delight. And I can never tell if they're serious or if he's being one of us. So we'll, we'll see what this one is. Uh, now that we're finally put, now that we finally put an end to that tyrant Anduin, well, I guess we know what question it is now. Uh, do you think we will ever face another evil that could quite compare? Uh, I, this is one of those things where I look to Hearthstone and I love the alternate history stuff that Hearthstone did at one point. There was this whole thing with death Knight Jaina. And I always thought, yeah, I could see Jaina as a death knight and that scares me more than any other villain that could possibly ever exist. Cause Jaina is already uber powerful. Now combine that with the power of like undeath and that of a death knight. Yeah. 
that's scary. What do you guys think? Do you have, do you, ha- is there something that you think would be, uh, probably scarier than Anduin? Cause let's be honest, Anduin didn't really do a whole lot while he was being the jam- the jailer's Roomba. <laughs> I mean, he went around, you know, following the jailer's orders, which was not, I think he, he stabbed a person like and a- that was it. He never seemed like a huge threat. Yeah, he stabbed a person, but it was like one person, okay? Um, it was an important person, maybe, but she got better. No big deal. He only stabbed one person. <laughs> Listen. I'm just imagining introducing your friend at a party, and this is my friend Skipper. He stabbed a guy, but just one guy. <laughs> and I stand by the jailer's Roomba statement, okay? All he did was collect things for the jailer. <laughs> I mean, my Roomba mostly just collected cats that didn't like it. That's why we had to get rid of it. <laughs> Maybe that's the next boss. It's a bunch of really <laughs> angry gi- cats. <laughs> it's just a bunch of giant cosmic cats that are angry at us. <laughs> well, I mean, have you ever played D&D in like a live, like in an actual like meat space area, and you've got the map out, and you've got all the minis, and then the cat jumps up on the table and walks across <laughs> it? Like, and you have to make up stats for the cat really fast because it's obviously a gargantuan cat monster that's destroying the party. Um, it's sort of, sort of that idea, but with multiple cats. I don't know. I mean, Honestly, Anduin, to my mind, Anduin is more, far more dangerous when he's ruling Stormwind to the Alliance because he's a terrible king. He's really bad at it. Yep. Um, I, I, there's, there was a moment in Battle for Azeroth where, um, Starfang is trying to talk about, you know, the, the, the blood, like the blood debt and the way that the orcs have, you know, been in the past and how they keep repeating the same mistakes. And then it was like, no, you're better now. And he's like, Starfang almost turns and goes, boy, grow up. Like, you know, and I, I really felt bad that Sorfang had to die then because I really could have used an entire series of Sorfang smacking some sense into Anduin with like, just no, we are in fact guilty of horrible crimes. You need to wake up. That that was to me when, when an orc has to be the one to inform you that no, the orcs have done bad things. It is not up for debate, Anduin. So yeah, I think Anduin's really dangerous to the Alliance. And as long as he's around... He is the most dangerous boss they're ever going to face. He, he needs to, to, to really think, do I want to be king of these people? Because I'm not doing a good job. That being said, I mean, I think Malfurion could also go with him into leader, leadership. Um, he can go back to sleep is what I'm hearing. Re- rehabilitation. Because although I, I don't know, maybe now that Malfurion wants to kill everybody on the other side, maybe he's actually interesting. My biggest problem with Malfurion is he's just tedious. And, Listen, and- I'm going to throw this out there, man. Malfurion... I haven't seen him once this expansion. When he went missing in Legion, Tehran was going everywhere trying to find and save him. Tehran goes uh, hell for broke into the Shadowlands. Her, haven't heard a peep from him. Fairweather. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. That's a, fair, that's a fair point, actually. <laughs> Liz, I mean, you- and, and Malhurian, you know, went and took a 10,000 year nap or whatever, and then woke up and said, hey, I'm ruling the Night Elves now. Shut up, Tehranda. And it's like, no, where have you been for the last 10,000 years? Well, I think you're working. We think we know where we know where he was the whole time. He was, as you said, taking a nap. Yeah. I mean, it's not <laughs> Dream, like dreaming, up, find him. dreaming up his next cosplay. <laughs> um, okay, I think we probably addressed this. <laughs> we probably can move on to another question at this Ooh, point. Probably, yeah. So that means as Liz is up. Uh, Hello, Watchers. As I've been playing Xerath Mortis, I keep thinking I'm seeing the Well of Eternity on my ma- on my mini-map as I zoom by the Forge of Afterlives. Coincidence? Or do you think there is some sort of connection? Um, of course, the thing is, since this is like the realm of the first ones and the home, the origin of all things, it's kind of connected to everything, isn't it? I mean, I'm not the lore person here, but this is like the origin of everything so it should all sort of plug together somewhere right the thing is is we really don't know what zareth mortis is Hmm. we know that the word zareth looks an awful lot like azeroth yep and we've talked about this before is azeroth a reflection of zareth mortis We, we heard in the past that the emerald dream was like some kind of backup copy of azeroth from before it was sundered and messed up by living people and we know the emerald dream is tied to at least ardenweld there is a connection yeah, so there. so if the if zareth mortis does not actually feel like it's part of the shadowlands it feels like it is outside one, it, yeah well before it's like 
if you think of these places as development, you know, like how they used to have DM's Island. Zareth Mortis yeah. feels like it's DM. It's like DM's Island for the actual in-game story. It's the <laughs> place where the first ones, aka the GMs, hang out. Develop. It's Developer Island. That's what Zareth Mortis is. It's where they tested out things. It's where they built their their universe. So does Azeroth resemble it? I mean, there certainly is some relation based on the fact of what we know is going to be happening in the Jailer fight. The Jailer certainly seems to think Azeroth and Zareth Mortis have things to do with each other. Um, he's going out of his way I, to make that happen. We're probably going to talk about this on, on lore watch in the coming weeks as we start moving towards this content patch or through this content patch. But yeah, I'm starting to wonder like some of the connections there as well. So like, I, I don't know, like I, I'm definitely getting well of eternity vibes are just because it's like center of power. Right. And I think there's, there's definitely some overlap there. Like you have this forge of afterlife sitting literally in the middle of like this entire zone it's the center of the zone and technically the well of eternity was the center of the world at that point um there's a lot of similarities there and, and sort of how that feels it also has a the like Zareth mortis run around it it has a very titany tech feel right something that we're used to seeing even the constructs while they are like brokerish in in like the fact that they're not necessarily uh one congruous form they're still vaguely like humanoid in what they're trying to portray and so like there's definitely some overlap there is is there a reason for that is that intentional is azeroth a reflection of what zareth mortis is in the shadowlands is that why everybody's been so like hell bent on azeroth for eons and we always knew that azeroth was a special place i mean we were everybody wants it everybody needs it at some point is that why? Is that why Sargeras wanted it in the first place? Is that why the Void wants it? Uh, is that why they're so hell-bent on making it a Void Titan? I, I don't know, but I think we're going to start getting some answers as we move through this content patch. Yeah, one could argue that it's fractal. Mm, like, mm-hmm, if you ever look okay. at, like, a Mandelbrot set, all the stuff in the Mandelbrot set, when you look down, and you when you narrow your focus, the patterns repeat, the shapes repeat. Zareth Mortis could be, like, the first fractal from which... You know, it repeats itself onto other worlds. When you get another world that's sufficiently complicated, it resembles Zareth Mortis. That's one mm, possibility. Okay. I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. Liz, any other thoughts? I do. No, but I do want to add, I didn't read this, but this question came from Flavio, a druid from Proudmoor. Thank you, Flavio. <laughs> All right. You want to move on to the next one then? Mm-hmm. All right. Sallying forth. Uh, this one is uh, Greetings Watchers. The unnamed Blizzard survival game has me really intrigued. It's a genre of game that I typically don't enjoy, but Blizzard has a good track record of taking established genres and producing streamlined versions that are a lot easier to get into a, as a casual player. What other genres would you like to see Blizzard dip its toes into? What would Blizzard's takes on a Souls-like even look like? Uh, and that is from the imitatable Spry Sprocket. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. That was going to be a my go-to because i really like souls like games uh especially like maybe not as much as mitch does mitch might take it a little too far (laughs) uh but i'm i definitely enjoy them and i would always be curious what their take on it would be not that there isn't an abundance of souls like games but you're you're right and i think a lot of people forget this blizzard games they're good for a reason when they are allowed to be what they are right let's look at world of warcraft World of Warcraft, a lot of people can complain that it's this complicated mess of all these different variable systems. But when WoW first released, when it was being, when it was in production, when it came out in in 2004, it was a revelation in MMOs. It streamlined the entire process. And vanilla was a complicated mess. But when you compared it to things like EverQuest and Ultima Online and Camelot and and all those other games that were out there and doing their thing, it was downright holding your hand by comparison. (laughs) And that's part of what made it so good is people could pick it up and comparatively like not have to have if you've played the older games like for EverQuest and Ultima, I straight up had binders of code 
like in things and how to do specific things like formula to do things because without those out of out of game resources, there was no way I could play those games. Wow. Took all of that for the most part and tried to put it into the game to varying degrees of success. Look at heroes of the storm. Yes. Dota start defense of the ancients started as something that was born in a blizzard game started in Warcraft three, but as MOBAs sort of, took off and there's a million MOBAs out there league of legends. Uh, there was the one from Warner brothers for a while. So they shut that down. Smite is still out there. There's tons and tons of them. There's another one just coming out. Now there's Dota itself. As it's there's Dota is. itself. Yeah. But when you look at hots, it's a much more streamlined version of a MOBA. You don't buy gear. You don't have to have builds. You have talents. There's a lot fewer choices. It's easier for players to get into. The games and maps are a little bit easier to understand comparatively than Summoner's Rift, for example, or some of the complicated stuff you do in the current Dota. Overwatch was a first-person shooter that took heroic shooters and CSGO and combined them into an easily digestible game. They have a great track record of doing this. And so with like the survival game, I'm interested to see what they do with that because one of the barriers to entry to survival games is a lot of times they are terrible to get into that first, I want to say the hour, two hours, maybe uh, I'll use arc as an example. If you don't have I some- was just going to say, man, <laughs> uh, how do you, how bad do you think the first hour of a game has to be? If that game is all about dinosaurs to make me and Matt not play it. Yes. <laughs> It's yeah. about dinosaurs. You drove me away from the dinosaur game. Taming, riding, and breeding dinosaurs. Yes, this should be a game we love. But yeah, the first two hours, if you don't have somebody holding your hand, it's impossible. You literally have to watch videos or have somebody on a server that can take you through it, or you have no idea what to do. And some folk, somebody's going to go out there, and I know I'm going to get the comment of, that's what survival games are. It doesn't have to be, Right. Uh, we talked about this on the pre-show with Elden Ring as well, like it in in like the the Souls-like games. I would love to see in this particular case Blizzard's take on a Souls-like game where the rest of it is Souls-like, but it goes ahead and it takes that first hour of your experience and gets you up to speed. Right? They do the tutorial well. Same thing with the survival horror or survival game. I want to say survival horror, but survival game. That's what they do well, and that's what I'm excited for for stuff like this, because I know the people working on the survival game project are excited about it. They play survival games. They've played Valheim. They've played uh, Don't Starve. They've played Ark. They've played these, so they understand what they need to do to make it accessible and better in what they would like to see in those games, and that's what Blizzard games are to me when they do it right. So I'm sorry. I've talked for a lot, you guys. (laughs) Liz, you anything? Um, you know, I wonder what it would be like to have Blizzard doing like a proper RPG like a Mass Effect, like a Horizon Zero Dawn, because they do have a lot of really cool characters. And while I'm not always big on WoW's overarching story, they have a lot of great character moments. And, you know, they could do something really special by doing an RPG that just really focuses on story and character and doesn't have to worry about all of the MMO baggage, about making things work for big groups or making things totally perfectly balanced so the power level between players is is uh, right. I mean, there's a ton of things that MMOs mm-hmm. have to consider that a single-player-focused RPG does not. Um, and it's possible that they're going to be doing some of that with Overwatch 2, which is going to have a single-player campaign. Uh, we'll have to see. But I think it would be it would be interesting. It would be interesting to have basically World of Warcraft without anyone else in it. <laughs> like something that was just a single player narrative campaign and you didn't have to worry about all the MMO stuff. 4X games. <laughs> do a 4X game, you cowards. Uh, you're not coward. That's me. But I do think a 4X game, I feel like 4X is like a good evolution for StarCraft. Like a civilization type game with the the StarCraft universe where you yeah, have was, all these. I was just going to say we yeah. should probably explain what a 4X game is for people that don't know. Yeah, it means explore, expand, uh, exploit, and I forget the fourth E, but there's their X. You know, it, it, the basic is it's like civilization. If you've played Civ, that's what a 4X game is. Um, and there's quite a few of them. I've always thought that 4X would be a really good fit for StarCraft 
because it, it has elements of the RTS genre with elements of long play and stuff that you do setting up new moves. It, it just feels like a good place to go. But if we're not going to do that, uh, Liz was talking about RPGs, and I think that's a really good way to look at it, too. That's a good idea for Blizzard. But one game genre that I don't think you see a ton of, and I've said this before, and I said this in terms of the mobile game, I think they should make a gotcha game. Yeah. And I'm not kidding about this. I think Blizzard should make a gotcha game because I think, you know, to a certain degree, I got to feel like whoever their overlords end up being, if we end up with Microsoft owning them or if, if it continues to be Activision Blizzard or what have you, whoever ultimately is in charge of the, of the franchise has to look at the fact that Genshin Impact made like $3 billion in its first year of operation. Mm-hmm. That is untapped and Blizzard has the properties for this to work. Um, quite frankly, I am still to this day disappointed that Heroes of the Storm got taken off of active development. I feel like it was getting to where it was really good, where I don't even like MOBAs, and I was playing Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean... It was good. It was very good. Yeah, it still is, but it unfortunately has been getting much less development. And Liz, you're the one that pointed out that, like, on the... uh, When Microsoft made its big announcement that it was buying Activision Blizzard... They had, like, I think six games or five games that they put up on a banner? I think it was six. And and of those games, one was an Activision game, one was Candy Crush, and the other four were Blizzard, and one of those was StarCraft. Mm-hmm. Like, StarCraft should be developing. There should be lots of StarCraft out there. There should be StarCraft RTSs, yes, absolutely, but... Why, you know, World of Warcraft, Warcraft as a setting has World of Warcraft. It's got Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. It appear it appears in Heroes of the Storm. StarCraft should be getting that kind of attention. Diablo has got like, it's got two games coming out and it's currently got two games out. I still think you bring back Ghost. You Liz, yeah. Liz is talking about doing that, that single player or the RPG. Bring back it and bring back the StarCraft. There's a, there's definitely a niche for it. There's a desire for it. Mass Effect it, it was popular for a reason. Imagine if Blizzard did that instead. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Blizzard could make Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It'd probably be better than actual Anthem was. I'm going to throw it out there. An- Anthem would have been fine if they just made it as a single player RPG. Yep. It, it, there was there was a lot of interesting story to it. The world was cool. The big flying robots were awesome, but the game felt flat because you never you didn't meet anybody, you didn't talk to anybody, and everything was was looter shooterized, and it just didn't feel right for Bioware. It just you kept saying to yourself, "Wow, there's a really good Bioware game buried underneath this Destiny clone." <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know what if you guys liked Anthem. I, I'm sorry. I, I and I mean that to both Liz and Joe. I. I pretty sure you didn't like anthem or even play anthem i played I it i just play didn't I, I did not like it liz i have not played it so hmm. yeah i mean getting liz to not play a bioware game i mean kudos i guess <laughs> yeah, if that's, that's what you were going for that's like uh, article- that actually that's a, that's an achievement yes that's one of the very few bioware games i have never touched yeah. But yeah now that i think about it that would definitely be something that i'd like to see as well but by the way a blizzard's take on a souls like game i think would would look an awful lot like jedi fallen order quite frankly hmm. i feel like jedi fallen order is the simplified streamlined version of a souls like mm. where the gameplay is still challenging but it's easier to get into but i didn't feel the soul crushing defeat while playing that game it can't be a souls like <laughs> <laughs> i I'm, i've watched a lot of people playing uh What's the game where you die? Sekiro, is it Sekiro? The one where you die and then you get up and then you die yeah, again. Yeah, Se- Sekiro, which is honestly one of my favorite games. But one person pointed out that with Sekiro, the combat isn't so much about pulling off really awesome moves. It's about just waiting until the giant monkey is finished throwing its poop at you. And I, you know what fight I'm talking about. And then stabbing him once. And that's Sekiro's gameplay in a nutshell. Whereas in Fallen Order, you, you actually get to pull sick moves. You get to do cool things with a lightsaber. So maybe that's the disconnect, but we should probably move on to the next email because we're running out of time. Yep. I think we have time for one more, which is Liz is going to be up for this one. Yep. Unless Matt wants to. Nah, Liz, you're up. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead to this question from Roxy, not because of any personal, personal involvement with this question, just because I think it's a really great (laughs) and relevant question. Uh, So Roxy asks for the podcast. 
Greeting watchers, it is I, Roxy Goblin Shaman Hyjal US with a lore question for a friend. Let's just say she's a blood elf paladin. Where did the story leave off in 9.1 as we sit ready to enter the sepulture of the first ones? Thanks. So, yeah, y'all do this one because I don't do this lore stuff. Get your gun, Shadowlands Haunted. That's basically where the story <laughs> left off. Yeah. 9.1 ends with the Jailer Triumphant. He's He's gone off to raid Zareth Mortis to find the sepulchre of the first ones and us all standing around with his slightly, you know, slightly damaged former elf friend uh, just kind of laying there on the on the floor and we're like, um, weren't we trying to kill her? Uh, <laughs> I, I seem to recall us trying to kill her and then he does it. This is weird. It's the opposite of what usually happens where Thrall comes in. <laughs> usually Thrall comes in and steals a kill from us, but yeah, but this, this time the bad guy did and i'm not sure where to go with this but literally, literally that was the end of 9.1 the the end of 9.1 was sylvanas gets shot because she decided oh wait no i don't want to help you after i've helped you for the entirety of this game up to this point um and yeah the the story in 9.2 is there's a bit of setup there's the whole thing of you know oh we've got to go to Zareth mortis because that's where the jailer was going and when we get there oh wow cute robot with an with, like, incomprehensible language we have to learn but he's real cute and we can put hats on it listen paco is my son and i will defend him with my last <laughs> breath i'm i'm calling him cute aren't i i don't call yes. things cute very often i mean and I, I, his, I his name is paco now damn it yeah. <laughs> yeah. but he's you know the whole point of it is like you know you find a cute robot who wears hats and who doesn't speak your language and you have to make a series of insight checks while studying up on his weird alien bleep it's, language it's mostly about it, hats though let's be honest it, it honestly reminds me of uh close encounters of the third kind where they make the giant light <laughs> yes. thing. that's seriously kind of what it's like <laughs> i feel like i'm i sound dismissive but honestly no i i yeah yeah the end of 9.1 was literally just mic drop except instead of mic dropping he's dro- he dropped sylvanas sylvanas was his mic drop he might drop Sylvanas and then he's, he saunters <laughs> off to destroy the universe. And we're all standing there like, um, maybe we should all, the 40 of us should attack him. You think? No, we're just going to let him leave. No, okay. We're just, he's going to walk away. Oh, all oh, right. Okay. Like, now. Okay. I guess, bye. I, guess, I guess we'll go Can, after him then. Yeah, I suppose. You know what? I'm going to throw this out there. This is the first time we're taking beats and trying to plan though, in the story. Like, have you noticed mm-hmm. that? Like every other, every other, story beat for every other expansion we just go careening off into the darkness like it's okay i've got a box of spam and a stick let's go <laughs> like there, there's like no planning there's no backup we just go here it's like for once we're actually and it, this might be weird but it feels like the story of the characters is we're learning that we are terrible at our jobs and need to take a moment between what we're doing to figure out what we're doing before we go and do it. And I'm, I mentioned this before the worst thing to ever happen to Azeroth are us. We make everything worse because we don't clean anything up and we just go from crisis to crisis, creating more crises. We're like, we're going back to the Anduin thing. Like, even then, like, it feels like we're actually taking the time to figure out what the hell we're doing before we go and try to do the thing. So, like, when we got Bane back originally, we took moments to figure out how, okay, how do we get the souls back? How do we undermine the power of the jailer? We didn't just go, like, knocking on the door of Torghast with an entire army saying, give us back our weird son. Like we didn't do anything like that. We actually like tried to go about it and be smart about it. It did it work. Not necessarily, but we at least tried. And 9.1, we went after, uh, you know, when we went through after, when we, uh, hold on a second, when we went after Denathrius, it wasn't just careening after him. We actually took the time to build up allies, figure out what was going on and then go after him. When we went after, uh, Sylvanas in the Sanctum of Domination, we took the time to unite the covenants, get everybody back on the same page and then go in there, not going, not going half prepared. And we're doing the same thing here. Like we're actually learning question mark. So Joe, I will point out that we have successfully not succeeded once in any of the raids you've mentioned. So we should go back to our approach of careening blindly like drunkards 
through encounters <laughs> that we don't understand. I didn't say it was working. I just said we learned better for us when we don't learn. Our steadfast refusal to learn or change has been the only thing that has been saving the universe this whole time. And the second we abandoned it for calm, rational, measured responses was our the start of our army of failure. Nine point two is where we turn it around, Matt. I'm telling you right now. Nine point two is where we stop gambling on this ridiculous foresight and common sense, and we go back to just stabbing everything until it works out. Oh, Listen, God. I'm I'm here for the hats. Did, I am did, just did here for way, the hats. Did we in any way answer this question? I mean, Padilla's in chat, Maybe. so did 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 you enjoy our answer? Because <laughs> I don't think we've got anything else. Uh, seriously, okay. seriously, I'm going to be upfront. Seriously, the end of nine point one is the jailer swans off after getting everything he wanted. That's how it ended. Yeah, no, it really that's is. The, that's the end of that. Yeah. That so did that. You know, I honestly think our getting ready to enter the sepulchre are the first ones isn't based on the end of 9.1. It's based on all the 9.2 we've played up to this point. Yeah. Because the end of 9.1, he leaves and we just kind of like, we're kind of beaten. We lose. So that's that's my serious answer. I, I I'm going a- back to my reckless, I think, though, <laughs> seriously, reckless insanity <laughs> should be our go for. Uh, yeah, we've done a lot of that. I have a follow up question. Okay. Do we know why Silvana spent all this time following the jailer only to be like, oh, wow, I was mistaken. I've got to uh, shoot this guy instead. Yes, but no. So the answer actually does come in 9.2 in the cinematics that happened during the raid. So uh, there's major spoilers with that. So we can't answer that, but okay. hmm, maybe somewhere else. Yeah, it, it. but there are, there are answers to that and what was going on with that in what happens next. So we start to figure out, we find out why she did what she did. It doesn't make it right. And I'm giving you the spoiler-free version, but we we now understand better why the choices were made. So. Yeah, that's always been like the, the, the whole expansion feels like we're chasing something and we don't really know what we're chasing. And we have a bad guy who's a bad guy because he's a bad guy. And he's going to destroy reality. I don't know because he's a bad guy. And that's like the whole story in my brain. Yeah, the TLDR is Sylvanas makes terrible decisions. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's that's really yeah. how the approach I have for this. Sylvanas is easily led. For somebody who goes on and on about how emotionless and dead she is inside, Sylvanas makes decisions based on nothing but incoherent rage. Yeah. that's She does not stop to think through these things. She's an amazing tactician. She's an awful strategist. She. She, in a lot of ways, is very much like Anduin. She's very good at one specific thing, but you put her in charge of people in a diplomatic sense, and she's awful. Yeah, she she should be leading armies. She should not be, you know, deciding what those armies do. Yeah, and Anduin <laughs> should be leading priestly orders. He should not be running a nation, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, yeah. The, they are absolute extremes that are very similar. <laughs> but I think that's it, unless there's anything else either of you want to want to add to this. No, I think we're done. All right. Well, folks, uh, yeah, do you want this, go ahead. The story still doesn't make any sense. So that's okay. I think it will after we get to a certain <laughs> point. Uh, and if not, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, you have me and Matt on dial speed dial. So it's like, you know, there you go. Uh, but yeah, based on this question you just asked and the way we answered it, I'm not sure how much help we're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but just not, I'm not sure the sense is there to be made. So, hmm. I, I appreciate your, your answers. Serious and silly. Just remember, Shadowlands haunted. Uh, remember, folks, Blizzard Watch <laughs> is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Actually, it turns out the Shadowlands isn't haunted. There's just a bunch of pirate kobolds living in the basement. <laughs> It's been an illusion all along. Yeah, it's really just a bunch of kobolds keeping us. This is how they're going to keep their. The jailer is real. The jailer is really just made out of kobolds, is what I'm getting. Yeah, he's like a five, he's like 333 kobolds in his. Oh, armor. he's a kobold mecca. All right, yeah. I'm here for it. But anyway, <laughs> this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening along with us as we talk about the story of Patch 9.1. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, we're lore experts, Joe and I. Um, 
that, you know, but seriously, thank you guys for being here with us. Uh, we really love doing the show. So if you have a question for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch, or hit us up on Discord. We've got the patron Q and podcast questions channel and the Q and podcast questions channel. If you're a non-patron and you still want to ask us a question, we look in both of those as well. I don't think we're doing a tavern watch this weekend, are we? No. Uh, we haven't talked about it. So I need to, like, ask y'all that question. <laughs> okay. Well, if we are doing one. Pay attention to our socials. To yeah. But if we're not, then we'll do one later. Uh, we've got a another Weir's game coming up. Hopefully, we've got a Witchlight game coming up this this month. I'd really like that to, to continue since I get to play in that one. Uh, but, yeah, thank you guys for being here. And we'll be back next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.